what's up, y'all? This is Mike Pyatt, and you're now chilling on half, and it's been a while, longer than I wanted to, but we won. <laughs> Why should they crush Dallas on Thanksgiving, man? And it was, it was cool to see. It reminded me of the 2012 game when they played um, Dallas and RG3 had those four touchdowns in the first half. They almost gave that game away, though. <laughs> It was eight years ago, but still, they almost gave it away um, last Thursday. They crushed them. Sure, Mike McCarthy, he did his usual mess-ups. <laughs> but I still think even if Dallas didn't go for it on those fourth downs, um, Washington still would have came away with a win. By far, one of the easiest um, seasons for Washington against the Cowboys. And um, defensively, <laughs> during that game, man, every one of the starters on the defensive line had a moment. Allen was handling that line of scrimmage. Man, he was getting pressure. He was setting the um, tone. They couldn't run the ball as much as they would have liked. And I feel like Allen was definitely a big part of that. And Deron Payne, he was just wreaking havoc all over the backfield, man. He even had a fumble on Zeke um, during a game where he just casually kind of punched it out. And Zeke having the issues he's been having with protecting the football this year, it was like it was meant to be for that ball to come out with that little tap from Payne. And it was, it was crazy. And... Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they had their moments. They were stars. Young was able to get a sack. He drew a few holding calls. And Montez Sweat, he had an exclamation point on a dominating victory. It was just crazy, man. That pick six, he jumped, he batted the ball down, quarter. It was a smooth transition. He scored the touchdown, and whole team was just lit on the sidelines, man. Now, granted, Dallas' offensive line was banged up heading to the game, and they lost two more people during the game. But I'm so tired of people saying that, and yes, it is a valid excuse, but come on now. How many times have we seen Washington in similar situations where they couldn't take advantage of that? Don't punish them because they were able to destroy trash units. That's what they're supposed to do, and they're doing it now. That's great. If they weren't doing it, then we'll still have a problem. So, come on, just enjoy the destruction. I'm not enjoying Ronald Darby so much. I get so frustrated watching that man play. He's by far one of the most controversial corners that Redskins had had in the recent memory, even much more than um, Josh Norman. And I'm talking like within the DMV area, maybe nationally Norman uh, was more polarizing, definitely. But the reason I'm saying what I'm saying is because he's coming over from Philly. So you already have Eagle fans in your ear talking about him. Um, he didn't have a stellar campaign with the Eagles. I mean, yeah, they won the Super Bowl, but it wasn't his fault. <laughs> but on top of him being a former Eagles, he's also the product of Potomac High School in Oxon Hill, Maryland. And I have a nephew that's an alumni there. 
Um, I have another cousin. He's eleven out there, and of course, they're talking trash about him too. And the bad part is, one of them is an Eagles fan. So I got an Eagles fan from Potomac uh, talking trash about Darby, and I have a Redskins fan from Potomac uh, doing the same thing at times. And the crazy part is, they're both younger than him. <laughs> like they were, he wasn't even there when they were playing. I mean, he wasn't. They weren't there when he was playing. So I'm like, where is all this even coming from? Um, it was just, it's just a funny anecdote. But he. He gets constantly flamed on social media, man. He's not one hundred percent trash though, and that's the that's what's so frustrating for me. He'll get cooked the most of the game, just destroy most of the game. But then out of nowhere he'll make a clutch play, an interception. Like it happened on Thanksgiving. He got burnt twice. But then got a nice breakup on fourth and one, a crucial fourth and one. So it's like, bruh, what, what's going on with you? Can you can you play consistently? Is that too much to ask for? Now, sure, the other team, their receivers, they get paid money. It's not like Cooper is some trash. He does that weekly pretty much. But dang, Darby, come on. Can we get some consistency? <clears throat> and the linebackers on Thanksgiving, <laughs> like, they were quiet. The only person that had any impact was Cole Holcomb. And he embarrassed Zeke again. It was low-key. It was low-key, but he definitely embarrassed him. Um, after the interception we're going to talk about later uh, from Jalen Smith, I think it was first down. Cowboys tried to run the ball out the shotgun, and then Holcomb got there first and just stopped him in his tracks. Then Cameron Carroll came through. And then after that, Holcomb kind of like just grabbed his legs and just lifted them in the air. And they just it looked like a football version of a 3D for my wrestling fans who knows about that Dudley Boys 3D. Imagine that, but a football version of it. Um, a clean football version of it. But anyway, Cole Holcomb was the only linebacker I can remember doing anything. And that's nice. Because I feel like he should be back next year. No other linebackers, bro. Maybe KPL for some depth. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, for those who don't know his initials. Uh, maybe him for some depth. But outside of that, I'm done. Bostic, he can go. Thomas Davis, I like him for his leadership. But it's not really doing nothing for the linebackers. So he can bounce up out of there, too. Um, I'm sorry, Sean Deion Hamilton, but... He's not really doing nothing, so I can't see him coming back either. Linebackers are top of the list, in my opinion, next offseason as a position that needs to be addressed. But for now, they're just going to have to tough it out for the rest of the season and do whatever they can do. But uh, back to Cameron Curl, bro. I'm going to be real with y'all. As far as actually making plays and making the right plays, Cameron Curl has been my favorite safety to watch since Sean Taylor. He's active, he's smart, and he's physical. I like the way he tackles, and he attacks the entire lower body when he tackles. So picture this if a defender is running and they try to make a quick move. Um, 
by him attacking their lower body and keeping his head up, that proper form that everybody likes, it allows him the ability to expand his entire tackling area. So by him attacking the legs, if they try to make a quick move, he could easily reach out an arm to prevent them from moving um, either direction. Now, I'm pretty sure he'll get cooked eventually or shook eventually. That just happens from time to time. But for right now, <clears throat> but for right now, that man is balling out, especially tackling. I love his physicality. Now, I need to see more from Jeremy Rivas, the, the practice squad safety that played on Thursday. But from the little that I did see, he looked so nice. And you can't tell me that Troy Apke should start over him. Like, I'm not I'm not buying that at all. I like the way the defense has improved throughout the year. It's been such an honor. It's a treat. I'm loving watching them this season. And I expect them to grow even more in the last six weeks. And that's what's so crazy. They're young. You got Del Rio and Rivera, first year working on the defense. They've improved drastically, uh, stats-wise, number-wise, physical, um, physicalness. They, they've just been so, so much better. And like I said earlier this year, it's been 10 years of watching that trash defense, and it's good to have a unit that I can enjoy again. Now, offensively, I have to remember they played against the Cowboys, who hasn't been the best defense. Matter of fact, over their last few games, they went against defenses who most wouldn't call elite. But they're NFL defenses, so they did what they had to do. Um, they put up some points. They look okay. Good enough to win considering the defense um, that they have on the other side. Antonio Gibson, who, by the way, still hasn't had more than 200 rushes as a running back since high school, and this is not including his career um, at JUCO. I'm just talking about his days at Memphis and his current season as an NFL um, running back, which has been 11 games. He's only rushed for 183 carries. <clears throat> now, if you want to compare that to someone, we can compare it to Percy Harvin, um, who was a utility weapon for the Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, he had 194 carries in college. So he had more carries in college than Gibson had in college and the NFL so far. And I, re I use... And I use Percy Harvin because he's a wide receiver. <laughs> he's not a running back, and he ran the ball more than Gibson. And I say all that to say Gibson is still young. He's raw. He can definitely continue to develop as a good running back in the league. Ron Rivera was comparing him to Arian Foster earlier in the week, and um, John Kine, he had him on his podcast. By the way, that's a nice podcast to listen to, the John Kine Report. Uh, for those who need more Washington football talk, um, oh, that's another podcast, Washington football talk with J.P. Finley. 
Uh, yeah, they're, they're good too, both podcasts. And since I'm shouting out podcasts, I'll throw the third one in the Kevin Sheehan show. Um, those are three podcasts that I listen to a lot. Uh, so shout out to all three of them. But anyway, back to Antonio Gibson. He was on John Kimes, um, John Kimes podcast and he was talking about Eric Foster and how that is a running back that he knew about um, when he was younger, how he paid attention to him. He didn't necessarily pattern this game after him. This is a running back that he knew about. Nevertheless, he's a great, great um, addition to the team. And you combine that with Terry McLaurin, who continues to ball out. And um, I might have to start referring to him as Captain BMV or something. Because the dude is basically a superhero for real, man. Even on interception returns, he, he finds a way to make a play. Um, he just... <laughs> Alex Smith threw a bad pass. He was under pressure, but it still was a trash pass. And Jalen Smith caught it, and it looked like he was going to get a pick six until I saw McLaurin. And honestly, when I saw it, I was hoping that he could probably poke that thing out and force a touchback or something. But he still made the play. He got the tackle. Even um, Vanderash, he tried to block him. And everybody was, uh, well, not everyone, but Cowboy fans were getting on him for not um, having a great effort. And sure, he, he didn't give the best effort. But even if he did, I don't know if he was able to be quick enough to stop McLaurin. I think McLaurin had kind of an angle on him, and he would have uh, been able to avoid him. Now, that's all that's what under the bridge. McLaurin got the tackle, and then the defense stepped up, and um, they shut that down. It was it was a good, good fourth down. Um, I mean, not fourth down, but it was a good goal line stand from the defense. Thinking about Logan Thomas, when Washington played the Lions last year, he kind of stuck out to me because he was crazy athletic. I don't think he's some elite tight end, like, on anybody's level. Like, people, I'll probably still take Hayden Hurst over him. But don't take it as a shot to him because he's actually having a good season, and I'm not surprised by that. He's looking like the tight end that I saw that day last season against Washington. When he was on the Lions, he's just being featured a little bit more. On Thanksgiving, he had a quarterback sneak. He threw a pass to McLaurin. He caught a touchdown from Smith, and it was he was a nice. He's another nice addition to the offense, and I have to shout out Scott Turner for getting him involved more and just having the offense looking a little bit better than it did earlier. Now, is that because Alex Smith is a quarterback? Who knows. I just know that I'm okay with Smith right now because he's having the offense looking efficient. They're moving the ball. They're not really stalling like that. I do know one major difference, and this isn't a shot at Haskins like people said it was, but when he was a starter, Washington was converting 33.8% of their third downs. Now, since his benching, Washington has been converting 44.3% of their third downs. If you take away that abysmal Rams game, it's 56.9%. Now, people probably be like, oh, but 
Askins, I took out his worst performance. His percentage still only goes up to 39.5%. Middle of the pack, their now conversion is 42%. So even on the curve, the offense was still having the worst third down average with Haskins as a starter. Now you can say, well, Smith and Allen, they face lesser competition. I took Haskins' game against the Browns. The Browns are allowing 45.6% third down conversions per game. When they played Haskins, they held them 35.7%. So no matter how you look at it, third downs just wasn't getting done under Haskins. And they are right now. And you can probably credit that to Alex Smith and Scott Turner for scheming things up and taking advantage of whatever weakness they could find at that time on the play. Smith has to start taking more shots, though. The defense has proven that they're good enough to stop teams um, when they have to. If it's third and six, go for the kill sometimes, man. If you throw a pick, they just get the ball a little bit earlier. <laughs> it'll make it a little bit closer than they would have been. I feel like that's something Smith can do, and he will have to start doing towards the end of the year to maximize the value of the offense. We're about to take a break, but real quick, shout out to Tressway and Kalike Hudson, man. Them two on punt returns. Great, great combination. Tressway, he can... He could kick that, man. He is such a beast. My nephew, he slices them up um, before every punt. Talks about how great of a punter he is, and then he just booms it in his curtains. And Hudson, he's been very, very nice on special teams. Um, shout out to the whole special teams, matter of fact. Even um, Hopkins did this thing on Thanksgiving. He didn't miss any kicks. So, yeah, just try to do that. <laughs> when it counts, man. This is Mike Pyatt. Your channel number nine. Your channel number Washington football team. know what they're doing and they have a better chance at pulling off long-term success better than any other regime maybe outside of Gibbs the second time um even off the field their marketing team their president media members everybody just seems to be professionals and that's something I hadn't been able to say about the team for a while I couldn't stand their OPR specialist man no need to say his name and I ain't, I'm not trying to be petty or anything. I'm just saying that he wasn't good at his job. Every daggone week, it just seemed like the Redskins was just got crushed by the media. And no means no. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. After the Cowboys game, it was like, no means no. Somebody's trying to get an interview. But anyway, I'm just glad days like that are over now. You don't have to worry about that dude anymore. Um, 
the old media people. Like, I'm just happy about the direction the football team is heading. And I'm going to try to stop saying Redskins. And there's no um, pressure or anything. Nobody's telling me to stop. And I wouldn't care if they did anyway. Matter of fact, I've been buying so much more Redskins gear since they changed the name. I just want to stop saying it because the team is moving in a different direction. They're moving forward. And it's a big credit to Ron Rivera, man. I know a lot of y'all didn't like the hire, but I just felt that he was perfect. Even with all that's happening this year, you got COVID, you got the death of George Floyd, all the other things that's just been affecting minorities so much this year. I can't imagine if Jay Gruden was still here trying to deal with all that. It would have been awful, man. It would have been so awful. And yet, Washington finds themselves tied for first place in the NFC East. Yes, it's 4 and 7. We get that. But that's just where we are right now. We can't worry about anything else. We as fans, we as people that like to watch football, we can't worry about anything else. This has happened before. Everybody's acting like um, trash divisions hadn't happened before. Teams have even won a game not entering the playoffs less than 500. Now, sure, it'll be weird seeing a 6-10 and 10 team in there, but it happens. Now, if a team wins at 5-11, and 11, that'll be ridiculous, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Washington is at least going to get the 6. New York possibly could, too. And don't, don't forget about Dallas. Their schedule is kind of easy. It's going to be interesting. But my goodness, speaking of interesting, COVID has done a number on Washington over the next couple of weeks. It all started with the outbreak that happened with the Ravens on Thanksgiving. They had to cancel the Steelers game um, against the Ravens about three times. They finally ended up playing on Wednesday, which meant that the Washington football team game versus the Steelers was moved from Sunday to Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and the Ravens and Cowboys were supposed to play Thursday, but that game has been moved to Tuesday. <laughs> like, it's just been a mess. And on top of that, because of some restrictions in Santa Clara County, the 49ers has to play their last two remaining home games in Arizona. So for the second time this season, Washington will be playing at Arizona Stadium. That's weird, bro. One way or another, the game versus the Steelers is going to be a reality check. Now, on one hand, they can get the snap beat out of them. It's happened before. As a matter of fact, the last time they played each other, the Steelers beat the brakes off the Redskins. Um, so it could be a reality check in that way where they get knocked down a couple of pegs. Or Washington can come out and give them a good fight. Possibly shock the world and beat the last undefeated team this year. Who knows? Anything can happen. It's the NFL. Any given Sunday, any given Monday. Apparently, any given Tuesday or Wednesday. I think they play every day of the week except for Friday, man. 
<laughs> the NFL is a machine. It should be an interesting game, though. I don't think Washington's going to get blown out. At least I hope not. And then on top of that, the Steelers, they're missing two players. Um, Bud Dupree, he was injured on Wednesday. They already was missing Devin Bush. I don't really think that's going to matter against a team like Washington. Um, but it does make it a bit more interesting. They have to win one of the next three, though. I feel like if they don't win against Pittsburgh, Seattle, or the 49ers, then it makes it much, much harder to win a division. So they have to find a way to win one of these next three. And it starts with Pittsburgh. They got the first shot. And they could win. It's not impossible. I think there is a path for them to beat the Steelers. The Steelers are a suspect against the run. They're not trash, but you can run on them. And yeah, the defense, they've been they've been playing better, so who knows? Anything can happen. I overreacted. I mean, you gotta excuse me though. I'm in the middle of a grocery store parking lot doing an impromptu live video on Facebook. Like, I just got the notice that we were trading a first and wall for Westbrook. And I just don't think that's a fair trade. So, I overreacted. Not knowing that the first round pick is trade protected. The trade may end up being wall in two seconds for Westbrook, and it wouldn't happen for like seven years from now. That would be a nice W, and it's nice to see Tommy Shepard is able to pull off some decent moves. Suddenly, I am intrigued by the Wizards in their 2021 season. Should be interesting. Like, I'm, I've always been indifferent about Westbrook. I've never been too hot. I've never been too cold about him because everyone else has their opinion about him. But it'll be nice to, for me to discover Westbrook in my own way and to see how he is in his later years as a basketball player. He's 32 years old now. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think a backcourt of him and Bill can work. I'm interested to see how their um, 2019 first-round draft pick, Rui Hachimura, and their 2020 first-round draft pick, Avita. I'm interested to see how both of them meshes with Westbrook and Bill. And um, they picked up Robin Lopez. They brought back David Bertrands, and it's... It's going to be interesting. Like I said, I'm very intrigued by the Wizards in their 2021 season. I'm not intrigued by Scott Brooks, but he's done well when he has talent on the team. And we've had worse rosters um, on the Washington Wizards. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. 
It should be fun. Him, as far as Wall goes, it sucks that he has to leave. It would have been nice to see him stay and win the championship, but, I mean, who are we kidding? It just wasn't working. It was something backstage. I mean, not backstage, I'm tripping. Some um, background drama, uh, behind the scenes, whatever, man. It's, it was just too much, and a lot of people said it was a long time coming, so it is what it is. It's over. The wall work. The wall era ended very disappointingly. And, um, yeah. Peace out, blood wall. <laughs> as far as the rest of the NBA goes, it sucked that Clay Thompson got injured. Um, I wanted the Warriors to try to go smack at the Lakers, but that's probably not going to happen. They're going to be an okay team, but they're not going to have enough to beat the Lakers without Clay. That's just, I mean, Clay is that good of a player. Um, there's really nobody else in the West that I can see stopping them. And as far as the East goes, there's teams that probably can stop them, but can they stay healthy? Especially Brooklyn. Um, so yeah. I'm expecting the Wizards to make the playoffs and make some noise, but at the end of the day, I think LeBron gets one step closer to that three-peat that he's been chasing for a while. And the Lakers want to repeat. Man, we're going to talk about it, and when they lose, we're going to clown them, and when they win, they're going to get us back, and it's going to be fun and miserable all at the same time. And, yeah, that's the end, man. This nice setup um, that I got going for myself is more efficient for me. So, hopefully, you'll have more content from me. I know I always say that, but I deliver sometimes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we're going to talk about the game against the Steelers and other week 13 action in the NFL. And my name's Mike Pyatt. You've been chilling on half. Have a good week. Again, a couple of days, whatever. Peace out.